Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You know, we pray that offering prayer every Sunday, and um, it becomes rote, like to some of us. We, we know the two or three that we do. Well, Terry and I were just cracking up because um, we actually found money this week. <laughs> um, I was cleaning out my closet. I, I did save them for you, Sabrina. I was cleaning out like a, a whole bunch of old purses that I had. And before I put them in the Goodwill bag, I dumped them out on the kitchen counter. And out of one of them came not one, not two, but five gift cards. <laughs> To my favorite places, to Panera, <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> so we were like, yeah, finding money. <laughs> it's money, right? So I'm really, I'm really excited and, and blessed and humbled to share this word this morning. Um, if you have been here, by the way, welcome online. I don't know which camera is on. Welcome online. We're so excited that you join us from anywhere you are in the world, whether in real time or by recording. And we've been talking about this equation. And, and don't get twitchy if you're not a math person. It's um, choice equals cost plus reward. So I'm going to talk about that again this morning and, and just some of the takeaways that I've had um, but if you've missed the previous ones, go back and listen to some of those because they've been really powerful and they've really kind of given you a, a complete picture. So as I write and talk, just pray for me. And there's a reason that I felt like this is a good word for me to share. Am I too hot? Can you turn me down? Um, is because every time Peter writes that on the board, I see my whole life flash before my eyes. <laughs> right? Is anybody else like getting triggered? Every, so, so I see these scenes of my life flash before my eyes. So I went home one day because at Arise, we teach you to keep the conversation going with Jesus. And I said to Jesus, um, why am, I, why am I seeing these scenes? What are, you, what are you saying? What are you showing me? And he said to me, um, there was always a choice. And that, of course, led into some more conversation. Um, and, he, and he said to me, why didn't you make another choice? Now, I have to tell you, it very easily could have sounded like my mother. <laughs> and maybe you heard your mother or your father when I said, why didn't you make another choice? But Jesus didn't say it like that. He said it in the way that, that Papa said in the garden, Adam, where are you? He says, Ann, why didn't you make another choice? Let's talk about why you didn't make another choice. Um, a lot of you know my story. Um, I didn't know I had a choice for a long time. And I grew up in a home with... Um, not only predominantly ruled by, ruled by alcohol, but my life was ruled by an abusive older sibling. And my brother describes her as ruthless and relentless towards me. I just thought it was normal sibling abuse, but, you know, when I turned 50, I realized it wasn't. But, it, you know, 
it took its toll. So um, my parents were unaware of how she was treating me physically and emotionally. And so I didn't know they were unaware. I just thought they didn't care. Um, I thought that they just didn't think I was worth saving, that didn't think it was worth intervening. They had their own things that they were walking through. And um, so I grew up with this belief system that I was unprotected. And if I was unprotected, I must have been unloved. And if I was unloved in my home, I must have been unworthy of being loved. Um, but I didn't know as a little girl that there was a choice. But what I want to talk to you about today is the reward. When we learn we have a choice, the reward is worth it. Because it's always about the war, reward, right? A few years ago, Terry and I bought a, a travel trailer because we like to go camping. Um, and it, it cost. <laughs> it cost us, didn't it, honey? It cost us some money. Um, but the reward, and you all know this, you know, we come back from camping and, and you know, we're just all jelly. <laughs> like... The reward was worth the cost for that. The cost is often greater when, when we choose Jesus. The cost is always greater than the reward. The other way. No, the other way. Thank you. Delete, 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 delete. When we choose Jesus, <laughs> the reward is always greater than the cost. Just read it. Just, it's just right there. <laughs> so I, as a little girl, I grew up in this environment, and as Jesus was talking about this particular scene that was flashing before my eyes, um, I, said, I said, I didn't know there was a choice. I didn't know you as a little girl. I didn't know there was a choice. And Jesus said to me, you were unaware that I was always there. You were unaware that I was always there. He was always with me. And I'm like, well, show me. And so I want to tell you about this couple named Helen and Walter. It's really their names. They really exist. See, we had a, um, a summer house, a lake house, that was originally um, a hunting and fishing lodge. It, it slept 16, 18 people inside. It was just this big wooden lodge, you know, and it was our summer home. And right next to it was another summer home, and that was one of those cute, adorable little cabins, those little log cabins that you see like in the magazines. And that's where Helen and Walter stayed in the summer, and we stayed in this one right next door. Um, between the houses, between the summer homes, <clears throat> was this little path, and it wasn't very long. But you had to walk through these hemlock bushes to get there. And they were, they were like those swinging doors, you know. And I just loved to walk through them because I loved the feeling and the smell of the hemlocks on my face. So I loved going over to Helen and Walter's. So when things got hard at home, I would just be like, I'm going over to Helen and Walter's. And I would go over to their house and we'd have lemonade and cookies and, and we would just talk for hours. 
Well, over the years, I, I didn't realize that Helen and Walter had a nickname for me. <laughs> you want to know what it was? This is not going to surprise anybody. <laughs> Chatty Kathy. <laughs> they called me Chatty Kathy. And I, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It was better than what my sister was calling me, that's for sure. <laughs> but what I do remember is this sort of amused, bewildered look on my mother's face when they would refer to me as Chatty Kathy. <clears throat> because in my home, I would check out. <clears throat> I would shut down emotionally. I'd leave physically. It's where I learned to run and find somewhere safe, somewhere that I could show up. Because as a little girl, I was unaware that Jesus was there, and I didn't know I had a choice. So as I moved into my teenage years, when I turned 12, something amazing happened. Uh, I met Jesus, uh, and he was every bit as wonderful as he promised to be in the talk that was presented to me, and I said yes to him. So I chose him that day, and, um, and it was just an amazing experience. This love that I had longed for all of a sudden was just flooding me inside, outside, all around me. It was just, it was a flavor of love I had never experienced before. And this peace just came over me, and I thought, oh, Jesus, you are wonderful. But you see, I didn't yet know about the reward. I didn't yet know how to um, navigate what I was experiencing in my home environment with what I was experiencing in my spirit. And so I went through several years in my teens of these highs and lows um, because when things got hard at home, I would do the only thing I knew what to do would be to leave, right? I would choose to leave because I didn't know how to choose Jesus in that situation. And I would go find friends who would um, give me things that made me feel better and um, you know, had, had arms to make me feel better. And that's how I went through several years, just like with these big highs and lows. I had Jesus. It was good until it wasn't good. And then I would try to go find what I needed, those unmet needs, somewhere else. Um, and that's, that's pretty much how my life was. But it's really interesting because Scripture has... Um, several examples of these fails, right? And don't we love it when we find other people in the Bible that fail with us? Like, it, it makes so much sense. So one of them um, is the rich young ruler, right? He had a choice. Jesus said, come follow me. He counted the cost and walked away, right? Shiny objects his home, his possessions, his family, all those things, he couldn't see that the reward was greater than the cost of walking away. And sometimes it's like that, right? Sometimes choosing Jesus is like blind faith. We're just stepping into something because we don't know. He's, Jesus is just calling us, and we're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Kind of like sometimes when I get up here. <laughs> um, King Naaman and, and the prophet Elijah 
King Naaman, the prophet, says, just dip in this muddy, dirty river seven times and you'll be healed of leprosy. And Naaman, what was his cost? He had to let go of what? His pride. And, and the cost of his pride was too great for him to see the reward of his healing. And it took someone with no pride to come to him and say, hey, boss, like, I, we, we, take, we came all this way. Don't you want to be healed? Like, just get in the river. Forget the pride. And I think he turns around, he gets in the river, and he gets healed. He sees the, re he, he gets the reward. But his pride was what cost him. He had to let go of that. Abraham lied about Sarah um, and said she was his sister instead of his wife because he was af afraid for his life. He thought, well, if I tell these people they're, she's my wife, they're going to kill me because they're going to want her because she's gorgeous. And he lied about it because he counted the cost of being the man that God chose, and, it, and he, couldn't, he couldn't see that the reward was worth it. And then his son goes and does the same thing. Generational, right? So just think for a minute about if, if we don't count the cost and step into our destiny, how are our children going to start from where we leave off? You know, in the kingdom, the kingdom's about increase. Danya's going to start on Peter and Masha's shoulders, right? My kids, they started a little later because I started a little later, but they're starting on my shoulders. If, if as, as parents we don't step in, then where are they going to start from? They're going to start from our starting point, and that's not kingdom destiny. But I have to tell you, I love what Jason and Ryan are doing in the Kids Arise and all of their team in there because those five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds are not starting unaware. They are starting very aware of what Jesus is doing. So we have these generational um, things that kind of hold us back. So I moved on, you know, through my ups and downs, and I get to college, and... Um, <clears throat> freshman year, Syracuse University. In about December, my mom says, hey, come to this conference with me. You see, it was my mom that led me to the Lord to the in the beginning, so she sort of mentored me and encouraged me along the way. And so over Christmas break, she and I travel to Niagara Falls, and we go to a conference that Marilyn Hickey was hosting. And I don't remember what Marilyn was talking about, but there was a reason that mom wanted me to go, and there was a reason that God wanted me to be there. Because as a feisty 18-year-old, Marilyn challenged us to read through the Bible in a year. And I thought, well, I can do that. You know, I'll take that challenge. I wasn't reading my Bible. My, this is my Bible, 1977. I got this. My sister gave it to me. Same one. Peter taught me to duct tape it when it falls apart. <laughs> so I went and home. I went back to college, and, and I'm, every morning I would get up. And if you have you done a read through the Bible in a year plan? Yeah, it takes a while, right? Every, every day, it <laughs> takes a year. <laughs> 
But it's not, you know, it's, it's not your, your Sarah Young devotion, you know. Um, you're reading three or four chapters a day. And so I do this day after day. I get up every morning and I read my Bible. Um, and then I go to classes and then I hit the library and I do my work. And then I party. And then I get up the next morning and I do my devotional and I do the journaling and I'd go through the day and I'd go to the library and I'd come home from the library and I'd party. And I did this day after day, week after week, from January until the end of the semester, early May. Day after day. And toward the end of the semester, I remember... Um, I went to the payphone on the fourth floor of Shaw Hall, Syracuse University. For those of you that don't know, you used to have to pay to use a public phone. <laughs> Initially, it cost a dime, then it was bumped up to a quarter, and it was free for local calls. But if you made a long-distance call, then the operator would come on after you dialed the number, and she'd tell you how many more coins you needed to add to make that call for the first three minutes. And then after three minutes, she'd come on, and she'd disconnect the person that you're calling, and she'd say, if you'd like to continue your call, it will be this much money for the next three minutes. And this is how life went on. It was very normal. But on Saturdays, it was cheaper. So I always called home on Saturdays. So I'm on the phone with my mother on the pay phone, and, and we're just chatting for a minute. And, and I said, Mom, I can't keep doing this. And she, she was like, keep doing what? I said, I can't keep getting up in the morning and reading my Bible and journaling and partying at night before I go to bed. I can't keep doing this. And she goes, oh, well, what are you going to do? What a mother, right? What a great, I wanted a parent like that. Just throw the question out there. Let them choose. I'm like, well, I'm going to stop partying. What a stupid question that is. <laughs> you see, what I learned the last few weeks watching this scene passed over my head is that the reward of soaking in his word every day was getting me to the point where the cost wasn't worth it anymore. I was going after Jesus. My heart, my soul, my mind were being transformed. I was being marinated. Because it doesn't matter where you end up, if you don't start here, you don't have a good plumb line. If it's for me, tell him I'll call him back. So this, this, is, this was a major turning point for me because I started to understand, wow, Jesus is alive, he's still working, and he's working in me, and I have a choice, and I can choose him. So my journey, you know, fast forwards on, oh, wait, let's talk about some scripture wins, right? You want to see some people who did it well? Yes, please. Yes, please. Let's pull up. So some of the people that did it well, um, one of my personal favorites is Matthew, in the New Testament. He has this amazing, cushy job with the Romans who are in power. 
And he's got this house that's like the nicest house in the neighborhood because he's got this great job. He has influence with the Roman guard. And one day Jesus walks by and he goes, Matthew, come with me. Come follow me. Come be my disciple. And Matthew puts his stuff down and he gets out of his booth and he locks the door and he gives the key to the Roman guard and he walks away. How did he know to do that? There was something about Jesus. As he'd been watching Jesus do ministry, there was something about Jesus that the reward of walking away from his job was worth it. Because Jesus is always worth it. And Jesus is the rewarder who brings the reward. Jesus is the reward. So Matthew counts the cost and walks away with, with Jesus. Peter, James, and John. Now, I think James and John were fairly affluent, um, but Peter had a, a wife and a fam you know, family. And Jesus said, come, come on. Be my disciple. Come follow me. And there was something about Jesus. They didn't know where they were going to go. They didn't know what was going to happen. But they were like, how can I not? How can I not follow Jesus? Something about him was worth letting go of everything that they had so that they could be with Jesus. Um, Nicodemus risked his reputation, his place with the Pharisees, to go visit Jesus twice. And then, after he's crucified, to go take care of his body. Because his reputation wasn't worth more than his Savior. Moses, Moses' mother, she risked her life, her family's lives, to hide her pregnancy, hide her infant son, until a time where she could put him in a basket and just cross her fingers and hope that as he floated down the river, someone from the palace would pick him up. So in our scripture fails, we saw Sarah, um, Isaac and, and Abraham and the generational impact there. Look at the generational impact from the decision Moses' mother made. Moses is one of our Old Testament heroes. What if she hadn't counted the cost? What if she would have said, no, I, I, I'm afraid my family will suffer for my choice? We might be Egyptians. Look like an Egyptian. <laughs> There's grace. <laughs> so over time my highs and lows started to come more like this because I knew where to start. I knew I had to start in God's word. And I knew I had to be there consistently. So the times that I wasn't there consistently were the times that I didn't count the cost and I made choices that took me away from Jesus. But the times that I could make those choices and say, no, he is my rewarder, and he has always shown up for me. This is what I've heard him say over the years. Hey, Ann, remember how I showed up last time? When, when you were struggling financially and 
you resisted the temptation to, to choose to go get a fourth job and chose instead to stay home and be a mom and how I provided for you. Remember that? I want to do that again over here. You want to do it again? Like this, because every one of the choices, it's like Peter was talking about a week or two ago, Jesus throws down these obstacles for us to get over, right? And when we get over to the other side, there's this reward there. And then he'll go, great, you did great, here's another one. You know, and you got to kind of, you know, figure out how you're going to get over that one. And it's the same thing with our choices. We have to learn to choose him over and over and over again. Because that's what the Christian walk is, is right? It's choosing Jesus moment by moment so that we get this, these rewards. So let's talk about what some of the rewards are. You want to know what some of the rewards are? <clears throat> yeah. So in the Old Testament, we have land, um, Joshua 21. Land, it was like the biggest thing you could get. Land and sons, I think, were like your greatest reward in the natural. Um, generational blessings, still in Joshua 21. I love James chapter 1. He talks about untold blessings. So I've started asking Jesus, hey, tell me one of the untold ones. <laughs> you know, like you can try. I want to know. Untold blessings. I mean, we talk about financial blessings. We talk about, you know, favor, healing, blessing. What are some untold blessings? And then we've got in uh, Psalm chapter 1, one of my favorite psalms. Who are my Psalm chapter 1 people? Yeah. Strength and peace. And why would you think I would like those blessings, right? Because as a little girl, I didn't feel very strong. And I didn't have a lot of peace. But strength and peace are rewards that we get. Uh, Psalm 119, wisdom. Of course, anywhere in, in the Proverbs, you can get wisdom. And intimacy. I had to see that. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, Robin White came up to me this morning and, and gave me a word um, um, from the Lord, and it happened to be the very first scripture I ever memorized. Yeah, Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord will mount on wings like eagles. You know what that is? That's intimacy. That's, that's doing life with Jesus. So I want to I wrap up with... Um, this thing Jesus said to me the other morning. Do you ever wake up and he's already talking to you? Like <laughs> mid-sentence. And I'm like, wait, wait, I gotta catch up. <laughs> but he said to me the other day, because I was asking him, like, what are the rewards? Like, what are some tangible rewards of choosing you? And, and he said to me, you're more than conquerors. And I love words. I love when scripture gets poetic and beautiful, like salt of the earth, more than conquerors. And then I have to say, Jesus, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? 
So he started unpacking some things to me. The first thing he said to me, he said, it's not just, you don't just get victory, you get abundant victory. You don't just win the battle, you get all the goods that go with it. You, you know, Ephesians 3 says, he wants to give us exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask for or imagine. You get abundance. You can't even dream about what you get with that victory. Do I have another slide? No? Yes? Uh, I'm good. Good. So let's, um, let's talk about some of our excuses. Because if you don't hear anything else from me this morning, I want you to hear this. Stop letting your excuses excuse you from making a choice for Jesus. When you're feeling insecure, when your pride is being questioned, when your uh, shiny objects are getting too much attention, don't let your excuses excuse you from counting the cost. Um, because you, we have three scripture verses. I camp on these. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Right? You have Jesus, right? If you think you need something else, this is not the Jesus Plus program. Amen. You have Jesus. Colossians 2, my next scripture. You have the fullness of him, I think. <laughs> the what? I don't know if it made it. Might not make it. Okay, so Colossians 2 says the fullness of Christ dwells in us. You didn't get a piece of him. You didn't get the introverted side of him. Right? You didn't get just the admin side of him. You got the fullness of him. Okay? And then 2 Peter 1, verse 3. There it is. You have everything you need. And in the Greek, that word everything means everything. <laughs> Nothing lacking. You have what you need. So stop letting, let's stop letting our excuses excuse us. Because you have no excuses. You have those, you have those promises. So being more than a conqueror. I had an example that I was thinking about sharing. I don't know if I told the pastors or not. Um, <laughs> I think I did. Attila the Hun, right? Attila the Hun had, you know why he was so successful? He would conquer a community, and then he would take the people, and he'd bring them onto his team, right? When we are more than conquerors, we're taking that pain and we're flipping it over and putting it on our side so we can have strength. When we are more than conquerors, we take that shame, and you don't have to raise your hand, but a, a lot of us carry more shame than we should. Shame on us. 
We take that shame and we flip it and we use it for grace and empathy so that we can come alongside that person and help them find Jesus because we've been there. For me, growing up in an alcoholic home where everyone was either drunk or stoned, I thought, well, I'm the only sober one, so I'm the only sane one, right? Do you know that created some seeds that planted this thing called judgment? But the days, and I, I, I watch those red flags. I can tell immediately when that judgment's trying to stand up again. But the days that I take it and I flip it and I say, no, I'm not picking up that judgment. Jesus, what do you have for me instead? I press into him for his truth. I get this love. I get this love for, for people that some of them I don't really like, but I can't help myself. I love them. I went, we went to Israel with Brian and Candace Simmons three years ago. And Terry and I, we were so excited to be at the Western Wall. And so he went on the guy's side, and I went on the girl's side. And we came back up afterwards, after we had been down there praying. And both of us stood on the platform, visibly shaken. Because what we had encountered separately and coming back together was the love of the Father for his people. I got down to the wall. I couldn't even put my little prayers things in because all I'm hearing is God say, my people, my people, I love my people. And it's everybody. It's everybody. It's the ones who are unaware that he is there. And it's all y'all who know he's here. It's all of us. And I came home with this love. I was, I was having um, coffee with Shannon a couple weeks ago. And I said, oh, Shannon, I love you. And she was like, why do you say that? And I'm like, I can't help myself. <laughs> I just love you. When we take the cost of those things and we leverage them and, and lean into Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you have in exchange for me for this? We get these rewards, and I have this ever-increasing mound of love and joy and peace that I stand on. And there's one person on this planet who can testify to the transformation in me, and that's my big brother. <laughs> when we get together, he just looks at me. And then he'll go, hey, Terry, how, how have you been? How about those Braves this year? And then he just looks at me. And he's like, so, Terry, you got any more camping trips? <laughs> he'll call. I'll answer. He'll say, hey, Ann. And Terry will go, hey, Rick. And he'll go, hey, Terry, how you doing? 
He doesn't understand the transformation that Jesus brings into my life when I lean into him and I count the cost because the reward is always worth it. You can't take my joy away from me because you didn't give it to me. He gave it to me. You can't make me stop loving you because he gave me love for you. I just get to figure out how amazing you are. It's time to count the cost and realize that sometimes you don't know how amazing the reward is going to be, but let's go there anyway. Because there's people in this room who, who, like me, who can say, oh yeah, that reward is good. Whatever it is, flip that sucker and give it to Jesus and ask him what he's got in exchange for that. Because it's time to change our path so that the, the generations behind us can start where we left off. You know that billion soul harvest thing that Masha talks about? It's here. It's already here. And the kingdom needs you. And there are people in this body, there's a couple of people in this body who would not let me hold on to this who got in my face and said, no, don't do that. Don't run anymore. Go to Jesus because we need you. We need what you carry. And as soon as I learned how to do that, everything changed. Yes. Everything changes. We just sang about that. Everything changes. But we have to learn to learn, lean into Jesus. It starts here. It includes the prophetics. It includes taking the trash out so that people can have a nice environment in here. Would y'all just stand up with me? And I'm not going to ask you to hold your hands out unless you're ready. Worship team can go ahead and come up. But if, you're, if you have felt the Lord touching on something, on an excuse, on a cost, if you have felt him touching on something, I want you to go ahead and just open your hands to him. Just hold your hands open. It's your choice. We always get to choose. And just pray with me in your heart. Jesus, thank you for giving me a choice. Thank you for making me aware of the places I haven't been choosing you. And I choose you today. I choose to take this shame this fear, this pride. I choose to, to give it to you, Jesus. I give you my tendency to judge. I give you my excuses. And by faith, I'm trusting you that your reward is greater. So Jesus, as I give this to you, what do you have in exchange for me?
because I want you. I want you. The altar is open. As we go into this last song, I just encourage you to come. Whatever the cost is for you, just come and choose him. In Jesus' name.